Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. Oh man, it feels good to be back in this little studio today. Just got back from the gym, sat down, and literally just took my panties off. And oh feel so good i wear uh i wear compression shorts when i work out um underneath underneath my gym shorts and i call them my panties and i'm not at the point where i wear the compression shorts on the outside yet i mean i maybe maybe i'm getting close to that age i you know i I actually kind of wouldn't mind start doing that going to the gym and just compression shorts and um just getting after it and getting a real good you know workout in with nothing but my little spandex on that 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 might be a little awkward but i've always seen those memes where um you know ladies talk about pulling their bra off at the end of the day and just like how how freeing it feels and and just like natural and wonderful the feeling is to just be able to breathe and that's what it's like when you wear man panties like when you wear tight constricting man panties underneath your workout attire it god man when you pull it off it's just that that must be what it feels like when you take a bra off just it, to be honest with you I'm, I'm at the age now where i might have to start wearing a bra too so then i'll get double the free feeling when i get back from the gym take my little sports bra off and and my man panties god to, man i mean that's just i'm gonna feel really alive when it when life gets to that point so how are y'all doing we're, we're back here for episode 23 today um I was sitting there last night at the house, and I'm on, I'm back on um, Amazon Prime, and so my my show is Yellowstone. I love Yellowstone. If you haven't seen that, um, they they don't pay for promotion or anything here, um, but that is a badass show. And I've seen all three episodes. I'm waiting for season or all three seasons. I'm waiting for episode or season four to come out. And I'm so intently waiting on this thing. I can't take it anymore. That I'm rewatching the whole all all three seasons, but I'm watching them backwards. I just want to switch it up a little bit. And last night I was like, well, let me see if there's anything else to watch. And dude, it is so hard finding anything to watch anymore. It's just because there's so much to choose from. It's insane at how much there is entertainment to choose from. And I think that's why we as human beings, we can't stay focused on any one thing for too long. They're just giving us way too many options. We are so spoiled. I remember, I remember when I grew up. We lived in a little trailer house, and we had an antenna on the side of the house. And you got three fucking stations. That was it. And you had to twist the antenna. Oh, 
I'm sorry, you want to watch TV in a, in a thunderstorm? Better go outside and turn the antenna that was bolted into the side of the damn trailer. And that was always my job was turning the antenna. And it took it was three people. It took three people to run an antenna back then. It took the first person sitting in front of the TV to yell to the person at the window who was yelling out of the window, yelling at the person turning the antenna. And by the time you got the message, you probably turned it a little too far. And so they had to start all over like, hey, that's good. That's good. That's good. And then by the time it got to to me outside, I already turned it a little too far. I used to use that. I knew I was going to be a fireman because <laughs> I used to climb on top of our trailer house and I would slide down the antenna like it was a, a damn fire pole. Now, if my fat ass got up there right now and tried that, uh, would one, it would bend the pole, but two, it would rip out the side of the trailer and I would be significantly hurt. Life was just so much easier as a kid, man. No responsibilities, and I've talked about that on other episodes. If we could just get back to feeling like a kid, I think life would be so much more enjoyable and not not stressful. But that's why I created that, that episode two episodes ago. It don't mean nothing, and I'm still trying to live by that. When, when I got stressed out yesterday over some shit, and then I said it back to myself, it don't mean nothing. And I'm serious. It put things in perspective, and it really doesn't mean anything. And there's no reason to get all upset. Because this ride is going to come to an end, and everything that we stressed out over, it don't, it don't mean nothing. It doesn't matter. Time flies, doesn't it? I realized uh, the other day I was talking to my friend, and I said, dude, I was like, I'm 43, but if you think about it, I've literally lived in six decade, decades. No edits, no read, no no do overs with me, people. I see. I said six decades. My bad. Six decades. I meant. Um, think about it. I was born in '78, so I've lived in the '70s. I've lived in the '80s. I've lived in the '90s. I've lived in the 2000s. I've lived in the 2010s, and now the 20s. That's six decades that I've lived in. You want to talk about feeling old? That right there will do it. I was thinking back, and I've already been a Marine Corps veteran, a veteran of the military for 21 years. And that shit flew by in the snap of a finger. One more of those, so in another 21 years, that, that, that went by so quickly. One more of those, and I'll be 64. And then when I'm 64, one more of those, and I'll be 85. I mean, that's it. That's how quick it goes. So that's what I'm trying to say is if you don't understand how quick life is going, maybe that'll put it in perspective. And then think about your day. Think about the struggles that you that you have and the worries that you have. Man, it's all bullshit. Enjoy the time you have. That's what it's all about. Be the most productive, highly functional person that you can be. And sprinkle some happiness on top of that. Shit. That's all we got. It's up to us to create that, and we need to do that. My favorite saying in that movie, The Shawshank Redemption. Damn, boy, I can't talk. The Shawshank Redemption. Red says, get busy living or get busy dying. And ask yourself, which one are you doing? Are you busy living or are you getting busy dying? If you're fucking hearted and beating out of your chest with excitement and things to look forward to and goals that you want to reach, Sounds to me like you're getting busy dying. So turn that all around. Find the things that excite you. Make your heart race a little bit. Get that adrenaline and that blood flowing. 
set some goals in your life. They don't have to be these crazy, wonderful goals like, man, I want to, I want to be like Travis House's podcast and get, um, get three downloads a day. You don't have to be anything crazy like that. <laughs> I'm kidding, man. Making fun of my own podcast. Set some realistic goals and meet them. You know, um, but you'd be surprised what that'll do for your motivation. A lot of people just don't do that. They just don't set little, little baby goals. And I think the the wind gets sucked out of their cell really quickly in life because they don't have any goals to meet, and they just find themselves doing the same shit every day. But if you set a little goal, pat yourself on the back when you accomplish that goal, and then set a little bigger goal, and then a little bigger goal. And before you know it, you'll be crushing your fucking goals and you'll be winning life and you'll be, you'll just feel alive again. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable feeling. It's, it's a pretty remarkable feeling when you can do that. I talk about small victories and that's what I'm getting at with little goals. Just celebrate the small victories in life. I'm big on leadership, man. I think, um, I think a lot of people are, are, are so capable of being wonderful leaders and they never discover their true potential because their entire life, they've played that game, follow the leader. How many of you, when you were a kid, played follow the leader? Um, I never liked that game. Because that teaches kids at a very early age to get in fucking line. And very seldom do most kids volunteer to get into the front. And I think you can tell at a young age when kids play that, if you step back and you watch... The true natural-born leaders never, ever want to get in the line and follow anybody else. They want to carve their own path. And I love that. I can get on board with that. I love seeing people do what they want to do rather than doing what they're told to do or what they're expected to do or what's suggested of them that they do. I love seeing people go outside of the norm, think outside of the box, and make shit happen. I think that starts at a very early age in life. Like, so if you have parents that always made decisions for you, or you had a family member, a big brother, big sister, cousin, aunt, uncle, somebody, whoever was in the, the major influence in your life, if they made the decisions for you on everything you did, chances are when you grow up, you're not going to be a good decision maker. And that is one of the main characteristic traits of a good leader. You have to be able to make clear, concise decisions. I try to teach my kids at an early age. When they're confused about something, I don't do it for them. I make them make a choice, whether it's wrong or right. And if they're wrong with their decision, then we have a chat about it. And we discuss why they were wrong about it. But I highly, highly encourage them before they come to me with a problem, they need to solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. Ice, ice, baby. <laughs> I, I didn't plan that. That just kind of happened. A little throwback to Vanilla Ice there. But I want to get into the meat and potatoes of, of this uh, week's episode where I want to discuss some things about leadership. Uh, one thing I've never really liked is poor leadership. Now, you can't expect everybody to be the best fucking leader in the world. But I think in order to be a better leader, you need to know your faults. You need to know your shortcomings, your weaknesses. And you need to understand that just because you're in a leadership position – doesn't make you the almighty, all right? And we've all seen those people that are put into leadership roles because there's just a, a position available. They're not necessarily the right candidate for a leadership role, and they just get 
pushed into it in the civilian world or promoted into it, you know, in the EMS, military, uh, emergency services world. We've all had that. And I don't, I don't believe a leader, once you're in a leadership position, has the liberty of ever clocking out again. Because a leader leads around the clock 24-7. That's not a clock-in, clock-out position. I'm sorry. And if you're in a leadership role or you're after a leadership role, you need to ask yourself, are you that committed to where you're never going to get to clock out again? And that is the makings of a true leader. When they understand, look, I'm going to have people under me, subordinates that are going to be looking up to me for guidance, for welfare, for education, for training, for mentorship. You able to do that? Are you going to do that when the time calls for you to do that after working hours? Are you going to be that leader that clocks in? I'm only here during working hours and then I'm clocking out and going home. Don't bother me on my off days. Are you going to be that? Because that's not a fucking leader. Failed leadership, especially in the military and emergency services, will cost us our lives. And what I mean by that is, as a leader, you have an innate obligation to be an around-the-clock resource for those who serve underneath you. I'm going to tell you a story. Last night I was having dinner with my family, and we're sitting at the table, and all of a sudden, normally, um, you know, I try to talk to my kids about their day, and I try to put all this social media shit to the side. But with what I'm doing now, it's taken on this whole new level of responsibility that, honestly, I wasn't anticipating all of this happening, but it happens, and it happens regularly. I get a uh, I get a message from a firefighter, and it was just a straight up message. Hey, man, I'm having suicidal thoughts. I'm on a dirt road, um, and I don't know what to do. And so when I saw that message, I immediately thought, I don't know this person. I've never met this person. This person follows me on social media. Um, I try to be very careful with um, trying to talk people off of ledges because if I say the wrong thing, it could go the wrong way and you got to be very careful with that. But what I try to do is steer him back towards his department. And this is where failed leadership comes in. I'm not going to mention the department that this uh, young man is with. They have limited resources available at that department, but that's no fucking excuse. That is no excuse. We are in the middle of a mental health crisis in the emergency services and everybody knows that. There's nobody in the emergency services that does not know that this is not a crisis. So this should be the first and foremost thing on the training plate is mental health. I was talking with a with an operations chief the other day, and we were talking, and I said, how many times do you train on shit that we will never use in this profession? And he said, all the time. And I said, and how little time is spent on mental wellness of our people Something that not only do we use every fucking single day that we're on the clock on the job, but we use it every single day when we're off the job. We are killing more people by our own hand every year than we are in the line of duty. And you tell me mental health is not the front runner on the plate for training in every single department across this country. The 38,000 fire departments across this country, the damn near almost 38,000 police departments across this country. How is that not the number one fucking course for dinner on the training plate? Go ahead. I'll wait. So this young man reaches out to me. He didn't know who else to reach out to. And I knew right then I said, I'm going to try to get him to his department, but I know he's lost. 
And that's why he's coming to me. He doesn't know the resources. And that that is what pisses me off. So I asked him, I said, hey, man, what department are you with? And he tells me. And I said, who can you talk to right now? Who can you pick up that phone and call one of your supervisors at that job and talk to? Because you're in a dangerous, dangerous place. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, I've been there many, many times. And I had nobody to reach out to. I had nobody on social media that I could toss my life lifeline to. And hopefully they could pull me back to shore. I didn't have that shit. I had to figure it all out on my own. That's why I'm so passionate about this because there are lifelines available. And sometimes these people, these gentlemen, these ladies, they will kill themselves because they don't know there is a lifeline. There's somebody standing on the beach ready to pull them in at a moment's notice. But they feel so fucking abandoned and so alone that they end up taking their own life. And and it's horrible. So when I ask him, do you have somebody you can talk to, an immediate supervisor? He didn't even answer that. He shrugged it off. And I knew what that meant. That meant no. So I immediately asked, do you have access Do you have access to a peer support program in your area? You know what his answer was? I honestly don't know. That was his answer. I'm sitting here looking at the message. And that tells me that his leadership has failed him horribly on two fronts. One When you don't know an immediate supervisor that you can call and confide in in your most desperate time of need in your life, they have fucking failed you. That supervisor should be above the the part where, hey, I'm a captain, I'm a lieutenant, and there's a chain of command, and you don't fucking call me, and you run it up the chain. Hey, this isn't normal business. This is life and fucking death we're talking about. When we're in a building and we're on fucking fire and the building's collapsing around us, We reach for the first available resource that can help pull us out. We don't worry about fucking chain of command. You call for that fucking mayday and you get out. But he didn't even know. And that tells me his leadership is failing him because they're probably too busy wanting to train on pump operations or ladder rescues and aerial operations shit that they very seldom use when they use obviously mental health you got a guy on the side of a fucking dirt road in the middle of indiana thinking about killing himself and then they failed him on the peer support side they failed him by him just not knowing you know we sit in these classes or whatnot and that's what they do they pass out pamphlets hey call these people if you need help call these people if you need help and then it's gone and they're great great check in the box we did our mental health training and that's why nobody know, understands the resources they don't know because we don't train them we gaff training off we just breeze through it or we make mention of it and then just press on and then heaven forbid this young man would have killed himself Then it would have been a fucking cry fest, a big boo-hoo. Oh, my God, if we would have only known. You know what? You did know. And that's called brotherhood. And it's it's this silent brotherhood shit that I talk about. We're, We're silent when it really fucking matters. And we're public about brotherhood and having each other's back when people are watching. And it seems like a cool club to be in. But what are you going to do when nobody's watching? That's the real brotherhood. And there's not a lot of fucking dudes in that anymore. I promise you. From what I'm seeing out there. There's some that really, really try to keep it together and check on people. But if you're not checking on your people 24-7 around the clock, or if you're not at least available to them and they, and they know or they don't, they don't feel like you're available to them, you're failing them. And this crosses over into the civilian sector too. 
if you're in charge of folks, they need to understand that you're there for them. You're not there just to just to put them in line every time they step out of line. You're also there to help them and comfort them and console them, mentor them. That's part about being that's that's how to be an effective leader. So luckily, we were able to get this young man some help. I started Googling around. Um, obviously, naturally, I sent him the National Suicide Hotline number, but that's hard for first responders to reach out to because you don't know who's on the other end of that phone, and a lot of times we don't feel comfortable talking to people that aren't like us. So I started Googling around um, Indiana First Responders Resources for Mental Health, and I stumbled across a organization that um, specializes in helping first responders in Indiana. And so I called them. And I wanted to make sure it was legit. And I got sent to a voicemail and it says, leave a voicemail, leave your concern. Somebody will call you right back. And they literally called me within like two minutes. And so when I got the call back, I explained who I was and said, hey, man, you got a, guy, a kid on the side of a dirt road. Um, I think he's he's OK right now, but he's having these thoughts. It's not like he's sitting there um, with a gun in his mouth right now, but he's having thoughts. And he said he's scared because of these thoughts and he's never had them. And I was like, I don't want to just blow this off. He needs to talk to somebody. A licensed somebody, not Travis House through Messenger. I'm not licensed in mental health therapy. I know how to handle my own bullshit, but I don't know how to handle everybody else's situation. And so the guy said, hey, um, we can either call him or he can reach out and call us. So I said, let me see if he's open to calling you. So I hung up with him. I messaged the kid and said, hey, bro, these people are, are standing by the phone waiting for you to call. Please call them. And you know what he did? He fucking called them. And, uh, you know, how I know that because I followed up with him and I checked on him and not only last night, I checked up on him this morning and now he's going to talk to a priest. He's and he's, and he's, and he's at least no understanding that he has a problem and he's at least starting to address it. He said, man, I have two, two young children and I have a wife and this is just scary. And you know what, man, that's one of the manliest things that I think these men and women in this profession can do as a man. That's a manly ass thing to do is to step up and recognize, hey, man, I need some fucking help. There ain't nothing cowardly about that. There's nothing um, to be ashamed of with that. And same with the, with, with the ladies out there that go through these problems. There's no shame in saying, hey, I got a problem. I need to fix it. It takes a stronger individual to address the fact that they have a problem than it does to just bury it and swallow it and, and pretend like everything's fine. I don't know if a lot of you folks are aware um, of the 14 leadership traits from the United States Marine Corps. If you're not a Marine, I don't. I wouldn't expect you to be familiar with these unless you were raised in a home where they taught the fucking 14 leadership traits in your house. And honestly, if you had a fucking childhood where people were teaching the 14 leadership traits of the United States Marine Corps, you probably had a fucked up childhood and... You, you are probably one highly disciplined individual to this day. I couldn't imagine growing up, my daddy coming in and be like, all right, boy, we're going to sit down and learn the 14 leadership traits of the United States Marine Corps. I was like, um, I'm trying to play with fucking He-Man. I'm not prepared for this shit. So, look, as we grow up, we got to get away from the He-Man and learn a little bit about life. And since we're sitting here talking about leadership, it's very important to me. I learned through the United States Marine Corps, who is a pretty good organization at developing fucking leaders. Um, they got it down to a science. And when you're in Marine Corps boot camp, they teach you right off the rip 
the 14 leadership traits and the acronym that they use. And you don't have to learn this. I'm just going to throw it at you and I'm going to do like a quick, quick rundown of this stuff. The acronym that they use is JJ did tie buckle. Now in the Marine Corps, we know more acronyms than a normal human being should ever know. And I have pretty much forgotten all the acronyms, but I'm going to run down what the 14 leadership traits are with JJ did tie buckle. And we'll just kind of see how, how you can possibly apply these in your life. Or maybe if you're in a um, subordinate role and you have a leader above you, you can kind of maybe understand if they're doing a, a jam up job, a good job at, at being a, a very good leader, they probably possess many of these traits. And then if you have the ones that are clocking in and clocking the fuck out, they probably don't possess any of these and they are probably just pushed into a, um, a slot because it was available. So JJ did tie buckle is the acronym. And the first J is justice. And what they mean by that is justice is the practice of being fair and consistent. A just person gives consideration to each side of a situation and based and bases rewards or punishment on merit. As good leaders, we have to hold people accountable. We have to show that if you do good, good comes to you. If you do bad, you will be held accountable. And I think, you know, as we, especially us in, in family settings, I certainly um, you actually use all of these with my kids, but um, I don't try to instill JJ did tie buckle with them. But when I sit back and think about things, that's exactly right. I use justice and I try to be fair. And I'm extremely consistent with that. I do not look the other way. If my kids step over the line every single time, and I tell them this, I'm like, if you step over the line, I will be there to put your ass in check. I'm not going to let you get away with things that I don't want you getting away with or that you shouldn't get away with. Last night, gratitude in my family goes, goes a long way. Manners and fucking gratitude. And I refuse to let my kids grow up without having either. What they choose to do with that later, once they grow up, is 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 on them. But I never thought I'd be an old man saying this. But as long as you live under my house, you will have some manners and some gratitude. So my youngest got a little Fitbit, a kid's Fitbit in the mail yesterday. And her mama was setting it up. And when her mama handed it back to her, she didn't say thank you. And she had a little attitude because it took her mama just a couple of extra seconds more than the five-year-old would have liked it to. Brand new Fitbit. And I looked at her and I said, hand me that Fitbit. And she looked at me because she knew exactly why. And I said, this is my Fitbit now. Do you understand why? And she said, yes, sir. And I said, tell me why. And she says, because I didn't say thank you to mama. And I said, that's exactly right. And I said, you don't ever expect anything in this family. But when you get something and when somebody does something for you, the least you can do is say thank you. I hate when I hold, I hold doors open for people all the time. And I hate when I hold a door. I'm not looking for gratitude. But when you hold a door open for somebody and they just walk through it and don't even express that they're thankful for you grabbing that disease infested fucking door handle for them. Oh, that gets my nerves. The only one thing um, that I don't like about this justice part is it says we have to show that if you do good, good comes to you. And if you do bad, you will be held accountable. Yes, I agree with if you do bad, you're going to be held accountable. And I always hold my children accountable. And especially as a leader, if you're in charge of folks. You do need to hold your subordinates accountable, but just because they do good doesn't mean, doesn't mean you resort, you, you deserve a fucking cookie. I've always been a firm believer in you do good because that's what you're supposed to do. You don't do good to seek rewards and we don't reward people for doing what they're supposed to do. 
Now, recognition is a different thing. Recognizing people for doing good things is totally acceptable for me. But I don't believe in giving rewards for doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Hey, I need you guys to go out and paint this wall today. Um, we have some people coming in. They're thinking about buying it. Can you put a fresh coat of paint on it? And the subordinates go out and paint the wall. And it's like, oh, my gosh, now I'm sending you all on fucking vacation. No, that's, that's not. We're not rewarding you. You just do what you're supposed to do. The next one is judgment. Many times leaders must assess situations quickly and without significant time to reflect. And I'm going to read something that's uh, it's in paragraph form here. It says, the Marine Corps refers to the 70% solution, meaning an imperfect solution that can be acted upon quickly rather than waiting for the perfect judgment, which may never come. And it goes on to say, this guideline doesn't advise acting in extreme haste. Rather, it advises avoiding analysis paralysis. And how many of you guys have ever been in a situation where you have to make a decision or a judgment call, and you're analyzing it so thoroughly that the wrong decision would actually be better than what you're doing right now, which has taken too long to make a damn decision. And I think a good leader is capable of looking at a situation, sizing it up, and moving forward. Making a decision is better than no decision. I, there's an old saying, you think long, you think wrong. And I'm a firm believer in that. Um, sometimes you just have to move, you have to act, and you have to be decisive about it. The next one in JJ did tie buckle is dependability. Um, there's, a, there's a powerful, powerful saying or statement here is leaders have consistency in crisis and do not overcommit. They do what they say they'll do when they say they'll do it. And that is my biggest thing. Do not tell somebody you're going to do something if you have zero fucking follow through. Follow through is everything. Your word is everything. And I think we've gotten so far away from that with the way civilization is now. People's word doesn't mean shit anymore. But I promise you this. Travis Howes gives you his word. That's it. And that's how I was raised. And that's how, you know, growing up in through the Marine Corps and stuff. That, that's it. You tell somebody you're going to fucking do something, you do it. And good leaders will do that. Good leaders won't won't fill your head, uh, just blow like we say, blow smoke, which means blow smoke up your ass. The next one is initiative. Everybody knows this one: improvise, adapt, and overcome. Do what you have to do for mission accomplishment to make it successful. You have to think outside of the box, try new things, and consider new solutions to existing problems. And if you have a leader that can do that, you probably have an effective leader. But if you have the leader that's sitting around waiting for other people to tell him the answers, you, honestly, you need to step up to the plate and take over that position because, well, they're not effective leader. And they have zero initiative. Leaders have initiative. The next one is decisiveness. I love this one. And this is huge. Make sound and timely decisions. Again, I go back to my kids. Whenever they're in decision-making mode, I put the pressure on them. Like in, in Marine Corps boot camp, one of their things is they try they try to throw you off. They'll put three or four or five drill instructors in your face while you're trying to do the simplest of tasks, tasks, which could be unlocking your combination lock to get your rifle off of your rack. You know, you know your you know your three your little combination. It's only three turns, okay? But when you have five people screaming in your face, 
It's hard to make decisive decisions. It's hard to concentrate on what you're trying on the simplest of tasks on what you're trying to do. But if you've been put in stressful situations time and time again, you get better at that. And what I mean is start start testing yourself. When you're trying to make dinner plans, this sounds stupid, but I know a lot of couples out there cannot make a decision over dinner because they're too worried trying to accommodate the other. This is how you can be a leader in your damn relationship. Next time, stop waiting on the other person to make a decision. Make the damn decision and just do it. Own it. Hey, you know what? Girl, I was taking, we were, we were about to go to the Outback, but now we're going to Wendy's. That's what we're getting. It's four for four night and we're not turning around. Let's do it. Boom. And now all of a sudden you got four for four and you're feeding both of you for eight bucks. We kind of covered this in the other one, but when we're talking about making timely or sound and timely decision, timeliness is just as important as soundness. Cause in many situations, a timely inferior decision is better than a long delayed, theoretically correct decision. Don't be afraid to make a decision. Think long, you think wrong every single time. I've seen it happen thousands of times. Just make a decision. And if you're making a decision based on like your, your profession, whatever you're doing, if you're trying to make quick, timely, sound decisions, the more educated you are with what you're having to make a decision about, the better. You know, and, and that's where confidence comes in. Look, I've been here before. I've trained for this. I've experienced real world scenarios based off of this. And that's where that that's where that confidence comes in to make decisions. And if you don't get used to making decisions, you'll never be confident in making decisions. I'm sorry to be beating this into the ground, but I am passionate about decisiveness, about making decisions. It's a huge thing for me. I have seen grown people paralyzed with fear over making simple daily decisions for their families. Just the simplest, simplest of decisions. And what happens is, if, especially if you're raising children, your children see that. They see that lack of decisiveness. And a lot of times, that's infectious on them too. They get scared because then they start waiting around for somebody to make a decision for them. And then they grow up not being able to make a decision maker. And they're in the back of the line when they're playing follow the leader instead of being in the front of that shit. Now, the next one is tact. And this is one, I mean, obviously, I'm not hitting a home run out of all these leadership traits. I certainly have my shortcomings. But tact is one of the ones that like I've always suffered with. Tact is the ability to communicate in the language that best allows a listener to understand the message or the meaning that's being communicated and to be motivated to act upon it. Now, A lot of times I go from zero to caveman really quickly. And I've always known that's one of my shortcomings. I get very aggressive, very loud, very quickly. And I'm not using that as an excuse. That's how I came up. Um, So a lot of times, like if, 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 if I'm in a leadership position, I got it. I understand that the way that I communicate sometimes is a little bit a little bit abrupt, a little bit absurd, and a little bit overbearing, if you will. And I have to keep that in mind. And I try to work on that to this day. <laughs> this paragraph says, given the background, the tactful leader chooses the language or behavior that will help the people in his or her audience to motivate themselves. Uh, my language is definitely one of my shortcomings. I know that. Um, but I also, I know who I am. And 
part of my thing is I'm just going to be me and I'm not trying to accommodate people's feelings when I speak. And that's one of my things. So if you, just because I call you a motherfucker doesn't mean you're a motherfucker. It's just, sometimes it just comes out like that. Um, it doesn't stop. Don't take it personally. I'm going to tell you one of the biggest, if not biggest in all of the leadership traits. You ready? It's integrity. Integrity is a cornerstone of leadership. It, it truly is. Here's how I feel about integrity. Integrity is the one thing nobody can take away from you. They can take your life. They can take everything else you own, your property, whatever. They can take everything, but they cannot take your integrity. They cannot take your honor. You have to give that up. You are the sole owner of your integrity. I have a dear friend. (laughs) He is so hell-bent on integrity. If you fucking question his integrity at all, he'll write you off that fast. That's how much that means to him. And that's his. And I support that 100%. Integrity is also infectious. When followers or like subordinates, when they see leaders acting with integrity, they're more likely to want to emulate that quality. That's a fantastic quality to have. Now, I look at I look at my two kids. I always go back to my two kids, and they're so different. One of them has so much integrity that she will tell on herself when she knows she's wrong. That other little shit, I don't know who teaches her this stuff, but that thing is so clever with being sneaky and actually just, just honestly, just lying to my face. But that's all right. She's going to learn. She's going to learn the hard way. I'm not a pushover parent. I'm not going to raise some assholes. The next quality is... Um, the leadership trait, excuse me, is endurance. This one says the enduring leader defaults to responsibility. If something must be done, then it must be done. Even if the best resources or relevant training are not available. And that's a huge one. You got to make do with what you have in front of you and what you have to work with. When, when life hands you lemons, make the best lemonade that you can possibly have. This shit ain't got no sugar in it, baby, but we're going to drink it. It doesn't get any more clear cut than that. The enduring leader defaults to responsibility, which takes me back to my previous story. You are solely responsible to ensure that your people underneath you understand the resources available to them. They know the resources. And if there are not any resources, it is your responsibility to create the resource. You become the resource, and together you solve the problem that lay in front of you. You're sitting on the side of the dirt road. You're having feelings of suicide. You know what? We don't have a peer support program, Um, but you called me, and you know what? I'm getting out of this bed right now because you are my responsibility. I'm coming to you. Where are you? Stay on the phone with me until I get to you. That's how you lead. You take care of your people. I'll be happy to tell you, I mess, when I messaged this kid this morning about this, he told me in this message, 
when I asked him, you know, how everything was going, he said, I'm going to um, look into starting the peer program here since we don't have one. And all I messaged back was, that's what fucking leaders do. Good on you. Keep me posted. That kid from his shitty situation is going to learn. He's going to become resilient for it. And he's going to change other people's lives. Good on him. The next leadership trait is bearing. Bearing is driven toward a goal with purpose, jumping at opportunities with self-involvement that increase your ability to reach that goal. Bearing is about channeling that drive to other people. And leaders, they set an example for others to follow in both attitude and behavior. So if you have a negative leader that's griping all the time, that's bitching all the time, he's setting, he's setting the standard. It's okay to sit here and gripe and bitch and be unhappy and, and be miserable here at work because, you know what, fuck it. This place sucks. I had, I had leaders like that, and then I had, I had the opposite. I had, I had people that there was absolutely no room for negativity because negativity breeds negativity. And that optimism that they had created optimism because optimism is the same way. Optimism breeds optimism. We have a choice to feel and think the way we want to feel and think. I mean, just mind-boggling at how quickly we go to pity party when we have an opportunity versus seeing all the good that's around us. We immediately go for the bad, and we hit that victim mentality very quickly. The next leadership trait is unselfishness. I mean, this one, you don't even have to describe this one. Unselfish leaders make decisions. And they usually make those decisions that benefit a lot of people without worrying about themselves too much. Unselfish leaders look out for the welfare of their teams. They look out for the welfare of those underneath them, despite being in miserable conditions for themselves or being in difficult situations. That's an unselfish leader. They're willing to do without so their people can have more. And again, you don't have to be a United States Marine to apply these. I mean, that that honestly goes goes to parenting. They say parenting is one of the most unselfish acts a human being can do. And it is. I mean, we constantly put ourselves out for the better of our family. Next one is courage. Um, I mean, you can define courage a bunch of different ways. I'm looking, I'm looking at a sheet that says... Courage is situational. It lives in the moments when it is required by people who believe in themselves and in priorities beyond personal comfort and the risks of pain or failure. Courage is doing what's right, adhering to a higher standard of personal conduct, to lead by example, and to make tough decisions under stress and pressure. And I don't need to explain that. There's an old saying. I like old sayings, man. You actually only have a few but one of my favorites is courage cannot see around corners, but goes around them anyway. And when you believe in something that you feel is so right that you want to do it regardless of what people say and think, that falls into courage. When you do something that's unpopular to a lot of people, but you really tremendously in your heart feel like this is for the greater good. That's courage. 
And I think too many people lack courage because what they do possess is concern over popular opinion. And popular opinion will defeat your courage nine times out of ten if you let it. It's hard to stand up for what's right when so many people will stand by and judge you and have their opinions. But that goes back to many episodes ago when I was talking about not giving a fuck what people think. You seriously, you you just got to stop giving a fuck. And I know some people listening to this are probably in positions where you, you have to give a fuck because the people above you, you have a career or something like that where if you don't give a fuck, you'll lose everything you have. So I understand that from that standpoint. You know, I'm in a different, it's easier said than done, I guess, sitting, sitting behind this microphone in an office where I work for myself. So I understand that. But hopefully your leaders, like I was talking about earlier in this episode, possess many of these leadership traits and they can, instead of being intimidated by your courage, they can appreciate your courage. And that's where it goes back to tact. That's, that's that thing that I lack where I'm sure many of you listening probably have definitely have the courage and you might even have the tact. See, I have the courage, but I lack the tact and that's why I can't work in a fucking fortune 500 company. Well, and intelligence is one other thing I lack, but that's not a leadership trait. So we're not, we're not talking about that. Um, (laughs) but I, my tact is what I lack. So, you know, if I were working for somebody, I would have the courage to do what's right. And, but the second I got questioned for it, I'd be like, look here, you, you, you fucking spineless motherfucker. <laughs> that's, that's kind of like the, the tack thing that, that we're talking about. So make sure you have the tack before you, um, go, um, jumping off the courage rails. Next leadership trait is knowledge. And I spoke about this earlier when I was talking about making decisive decisions. If you know your job, if you know your capabilities, That's what it's all about. You should not have to, uh, within your realm of expertise, you shouldn't always constantly be having to ask people what you should be doing. You know, you should know your job inside and out. If you have a profession, you should take pride in that profession. Know the nomenclature of your profession. When I was in the Marine Corps, if you had a weapon, we were so proficient with our proficient with our weapon systems. We had to know the nomenclature of every single weapon that we picked up. And that way you could pick it up in the dark, blindfolded, behind your back, and you would know exactly how to operate that weapon system, how to take it apart, how to reassemble it. You knew the effective um, firing range of all the weapon systems. Uh, I don't remember that shit now because I don't use them anymore, but that's what I'm talking about with knowledge of your, your specific job. If you're a firefighter, if you're a police officer, you're a paramedic, if you have any doubts about any one part of your job, you're failing yourself because at any time you could be called to use that specific skill and somebody's life could fucking depend on it. Your life, your coworker's wife, life, not his wife, but his life, um, a civilian, their life. And look, I get it. We get complacent in these jobs because every day is not a rescue emergency, 24 hours a day, seven days a week on our shifts. I get that. So sometimes we get complacent. But then times we do get complacent and it bites us in the ass when we need that specific skill. I said it earlier. As a leader, knowledge is power, right? 
And we know there is a mental health crisis in our professions as law enforcement, military, and first responders, firefighters, and such. And if you're in a leadership position, if you do not make yourself available 24-7 as a resource to those underneath you, you are failing those underneath you, and you need to clock the fuck out of your leadership role. I'll say it again. You need to demote yourself because you're not worthy of that position. There are people that depend on you. This isn't just a paycheck. I hate to think about all the missed opportunities we've had over the years to save people that are you know directly underneath us. Had we had just known the signs, the symptoms, the resources available, and we've known what to look for, and we would have been able to reach out to our people on their off days versus just checking on them when they're on duty, if we checked on them at all when they're on duty. I guarantee you there has been a many people slipped through the cracks and have lost their lives because of that failed leadership trait. We know better, we do better. Now, back in the day when I was on the job, we didn't know any better. But we know better now. And there's no fucking excuse for letting this shit slide. There is zero excuse for that. The next leadership trait is loyalty. We all know what loyalty is. There's no need in beating that into the ground. Um, And the last one is enthusiasm. Even when the requirements are difficult, enthusiastic leaders, they set aside their negative aspects of the mission and they focus on the positive. And they focus on that because it's the right thing to do. There's no need to be negative about the task at hand because all that does is distort everybody around you. How can you have an effective mission if you're sitting here planning on a way to attack a fire or um, you know whatever, whatever the fuck you're doing? Even, even in life, even if your family goals, hey, Saturday we're going to do this. And we're going to do that, and then we're going to do this. And if you come at it from a negative standpoint, nobody's going to be motivated to do it. And it's just going to make everything harder. But good leaders don't do that. They're enthusiastic and they're optimistic because it's inspirational behavior. And they inspire those people around them. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. You can sit there. I've seen leaders in the shittiest of situations become enthusiastic And it makes the task at hand actually more pleasurable. As silly as that sounds, it really does. Or I've seen it the other way where they approach it from negative Nancy's point of view. And then it just sucks the whole fucking way. It really is a mind fuck. It's how you want to look at something, how you want to perceive something is exactly what it's going to be every single time. True leaders, they don't have to pound their chests. And point to their sleeves where their rank is or their collars where their rank is or their name tag in the civilian world if they're in charge of something. They don't have to sit there and remind people. Because real leaders do not demand respect. They command it. And their presence alone says everything you need to know about them. I've known leaders that are not in leadership roles who get more respect than the actual people that were in the leadership roles when they're in the same circle because their presence alone commanded it. Their professionalism, their enthusiasm, their motivation, all the things that we just covered with JJ did tie buckle. They're all those things and then more. So think about that, man. 
I guess a big part of this episode, I wanted to talk about this stuff is, uh, I mean, you can talk about this stuff all day, but it, it truly makes me sad to think that we are still letting people slip through the cracks as leaders. There's, there's, there's no reason for it. You know, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of being on a, on a, you know, in a firehouse or in a police car or in the military, but I can't stress it enough. Civilians and family too. A lot of times we just put our, our daily grind in front of us and we can't see that we have other people around us that are suffering or we don't take the time and the compassion to actually take three, four minutes just to pull somebody aside and ask them, see, I didn't have that. I never had that. And I want, I want other people to, to understand that. I know what almost happened to me. I, I've been on that dirt road. Fuck, if you read my book, Create Your Own Light, I was on that dirt road with a gun in my hand getting ready to end my own life. And I didn't. And it wasn't because somebody from my fire department called me. I don't know if I've ever said this to you guys on here. This, I left the fire department in 2010. I've been gone for 11 years now. And I can count on one fucking finger how many people ever called me to check on my mental wellness. And it wasn't even somebody from my fire department. It was somebody from West Palm Beach Fire Department. And I was in South Dakota when that, or excuse me, I was in Dubuque, Iowa when that phone rang. I was sitting at a stoplight. And I looked down, and it was another firefighter I know from West Palm Beach. And when I said hello, he goes, hey, brother, know you've had a rough go. Just calling to check on you. And that brought me to fucking tears. Because still to this day, I'm, I've been retired for 11 years. Not one person from my fire department has ever reached out to me to just ask how I'm doing. Because... That's what I talk about in that um, mental wealth episode. When you're gone, you're gone. This job, when you're there, you're everything. You're in the clique. You got all your friends around you. But then when you're gone, you are on your fucking own. And I try to tell people, you better plan for your retirement. And you better plan for it sooner than later. Because this ride's coming to an end, buddy. It, 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 and it's coming fast. And I hope all of you can last your entire career, 30 years on a job, or 20 years, 25, 28, whatever your retirement is. I hope you can last that long. But even if you do last that long, when you're out, you're out. And I'm not saying it's going to happen to everybody, but I know most of the retired guys that I know, their phones stop ringing. And you got to be prepared for that. And the sad part about it is, is when I was on the job suffering the way that I was, and I was acting out. I talk about this in my book. All the flags were there. All the signs and symptoms were there. The, the leaders in charge of me never once pulled me to the side and said, hey, are you good? They looked me in the face when they knew I was drunk on duty and let me go sleep it off. When I was slapping grown men on the job in front of other people. When I was threatening to throw fire academy instructors out of a fucking five-story building. They just shrugged it off. I gave them every 
fucking reason to pull me to the side and ask me. I was dying for somebody to ask me how I was doing. I just didn't have the fortitude at the time to step up and help myself. And I'm not ashamed to tell people that anymore because I let that be a learning lesson. And I'm trying to teach other people, don't do what Travis Howes did because you might not be so lucky. You might be on on that side of that road with that gun in your hand and actually end it because you didn't know what to do and you didn't know where to reach out for help. There is help everywhere available to us now. It is your individual responsibility to to also figure out what these resources are. You can't wait on somebody to give you all the answers. Your leaders can only do so much, and hopefully they are leading indeed and letting you aware of the resources. But if they're not, you have some level of responsibility as well. So I'm not saying, hey, wait for a knight in shining armor to come because that motherfucker may never show up. And if he comes, he may not be riding a horse. So he may be walking your ass really slowly. That's it. Until next time, I hope you guys have a good week. I will go ahead and tell you my microphone, um, the the settings on it was kind of fluctuating while I was recording this. I have no idea why it was doing that. So if you hear that, I don't even know if you'll hear it on your end. That's what was going on. Thank you all so much for the support. Man, I love you all so much. Have a good one.